There's a door behind the choir loft that's usually hidden. But if you go through the door, you see another world where wind and moving air makes music. Normally, it's not open, and we can't see the wonders going on on the other side. This is the situation John is in. Jesus wants to show him something in the spiritual realm, things that normally are not seen. And so he says to John, come, look, and in heaven, a door was opened. And what did John see? He saw a throne, and he saw the Almighty on the throne, and he saw that all of heaven was worshiping him. This is the vision that we saw last week. It's the vision described in Revelation chapter 4. This week, we're going to talk about Revelation chapter 5, and it's a continuation of the same vision. So let's go to chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Today we have books. In those days, they had scrolls. This particular scroll had writing on both sides, meaning the scroll was full, it was complete, nothing could be added. And the scroll was the plan, the plan of God for humanity and the earth. But the scroll was sealed, meaning no one could open it and no one could know what the plan was. So on that scroll, you'll see seven seals. If I was going to write you a personal letter, I would write it on a scroll. I would put my seal on it, and uh, people would know if it had been opened before uh, you had read it. This scroll, no one is worthy to open it. And so John begins to weep because no one is worthy to open it. That means the plan of God can't be seen or known. But then verse two, I saw a mighty angel proclaim in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. So there was no human that could do it. There's no angel who is worthy to open the scroll. Verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. These are Old Testament messianic references. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, old man Jacob by then is blessing his sons and when he comes to his son Judah, he says, you are a, a lion cub, O Judah. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom the rule belongs. 
So the Jewish people always thought the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. And then it says the root of Jesse, this is a descendant of David, will be the Messiah and the king. And we know that Jesus is the fulfillment of these. So John is now anticipating the Messiah, and then what does he see? He sees the Messiah is worthy to break the seals, and then he looked and saw a lamb looking as though it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. And so the Messiah is a lamb. You're thinking a lion's going to come, a king like David's going to come, but no, he's a lamb looking as if it had been slain or, or slaughtered like the Passover lamb is killed. He stands in the center of the throne where the Almighty has been sitting, meaning he rules with and as the Almighty. And he has a seven horns, which represent power. And so he has seven, there's, that's complete power. And he has seven eyes, and that represents the Spirit. So the fullness of the Spirit is with the Lamb and with the Messiah. Now let me tell you something about the book of Revelation that, that maybe you haven't heard before. Nowadays, you hear people say, well, everything from chapter four until the end is all future. And I'm gonna tell you that what Revelation does is open up doors and curtains to show us various spiritual realities. This window of the lamb who was slain, it's showing us past Jesus was crucified. Jesus died. This is a past event. But the lamb is at the throne because he's been raised from the dead. He's worthy. And so John is, is telling us this is who the Messiah really is. Another thing about Revelation is that it uses imagery and symbol. John sees the lamb and he knows it's Jesus but if you were to go to heaven right now and you said, I want to talk to Jesus, a lamb wouldn't come up to you and start bleeding. Like, no, it'd be Jesus. And uh, Jesus wouldn't have seven horns. Like, Jesus wouldn't have seven eyes like this lamb does. It's imagery, it's symbol. And we're gonna see that throughout the book. We're gonna read these things and think, oh, they really are. No, they really represent something that's truthful but through imagery and symbol. This is what the picture of the lamb is. Now, surrounding the throne where the lamb is and the almighty are the 24 elders and the four creatures we read about last week. They also worship the lamb. They sing a new song to him. And so we're going to uh, say that same song. The words are on your screen. Let's go ahead and read these words and let's read them uh, to the Lamb. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. 
There's a bunch more, come on. Is it a computer thing that's just slow? All right, I'm going to read it then. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. They sung this song to the Lamb. And now our choir is going to sing to the Lamb as well.
is this song, always going up, it's the lamb that is glorious. Now we're going to go back to verse 7. He, that's the lamb, went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. So the prayers of God's people are brought before the throne. It's described like bowls of incense. Now, have you ever thought of our worship ascending to the throne of God? Have you ever thought of that? It does. What kind of incense do you offer? Is it full? Is it pleasing? It represents the prayers of the saints. And there's different words for prayer in the Greek. This prayer includes praises. So we're going to bring our praises to the Lord, and we're going to pray. So I'm going to direct you. Our Father in heaven, we bring our praises before you. We command our hearts, our souls, to praise you for who you are. And now lift up before the Lord your praises. Praise him for his attributes. Praise him for what he's done. Go ahead and offer that up to the Lord silently in prayer. You're worthy to receive all our praise. You created all things. You're powerful. You're wise. You're good. You're merciful. You're loving. And Lord, you have provided for us every need, every need on earth and every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're going to lift up to you our thanksgiving. So go ahead. And thank the Lord for everything he's given you, everything he's done. Our intercessions are also brought before the throne. So now, Lord, we're going to intercede. We're going to pray for our church. We're going to pray, Lord, that you give us a heart for the lost and for the nations. I pray, Lord, it burns, compels us to send workers out into the fields, both in Wichita and the world. Give us the same heart, Lord, 
are mindful of people we know and love, whom we live near, who don't know you, we're going to pray for them now. We're going to pray for our city, and we're going to pray that Wichita would be a city of light, that you would bring revival to this city, that many would come to faith in you, Pray for those areas in the city where darkness reigns. I pray that you would shed your light there, that people would be set free. We pray for our mission efforts throughout the world. This morning, Lord, we're going to specifically pray for our work in North Macedonia. pray for the team that's already there. We're going to pray that you give them opportunities to share. We're going to pray that the people in Totovo, you'd begin to work in them, stirring their hearts, causing them to wonder about Christ, even visiting them with dreams and visions. We pray that you make hearts ready to receive the gospel. Pray for the team there, that you would give them a unified spirit. We pray, Lord, against the work of the evil one there. And we pray against the principalities and powers, and those spiritual forces of darkness in high places. And we pray, Lord, that the light of your gospel would shine forth there, and that the work of the enemy would be scattered. And we pray for a Christ-centered, multiplying, witnessing church in that city that will be the source of the gospel for all the Albanian-speaking people in Macedonia. We pray this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So now prayers are brought before the throne. Songs are sung to the Lamb. And I want to take a closer look at the song they sing. They say, worthy is the Lamb. And why is he worthy? Because he was slain. You'd think it would be enough that he's the Son of God, but no, it's his death that made him worthy. He triumphed because of his death. He was obedient to his father, even unto death. And because he was slain, because he shed his blood, he purchased for God a people. He purchased us from death. Because of our sin, we had death coming to us. We were all on death row for all the times we've just thumbed our nose at God. But Jesus purchased us from death by dying in exchange. And all these people he purchased, they're given to the Father as a gift. But Jesus wanted to make sure that these people given to the Father, they're people from every language, from every nation, from every ethnic group, 
of every color. Jesus purchased them to make them one people. Now today you hear about racial reconciliation. That idea did not originate in modern times from uh, Western humanism. It didn't even originate with the abolitionist movement during the Civil War or the abolitionist movement in England. This idea of races being one under one God, this is rooted in the gospel. It's a gospel idea. And our motive at Eastminster to send workers of the gospel to the ends of the earth, this is a gospel idea. It comes from this scene in heaven where there will be people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And one of the great things I think for us will be when we're there and we see people there who are there because our church sent them. So he's purchased a people and he's made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. So we're meant to be a kingdom who whose king is Jesus, and how do you respond to a king? Well, yes, my king. And we're purchased in order to be priests. And of course, the the Old Testament priests are pictured here, and it says of the Old Testament priests that they minister to God. God says, you will minister before me. And they minister worship. Now you think of me or Pastor Mike or Ken as the ministers because we minister to you when you're sick or when you're grieving or when you're lonely or we minister to you God's word. You are ministers to God as priests. Have you ever thought that when you come to the sanctuary, the main thing you do here is not to be entertained The main thing you do here is minister to God, to bring him worship, to lift up your heart to him. So we're called the ministers priests, and then priests also represent God to the world, and we are to represent God wherever we are. And then there's a final thing we're going to do, and that is we are going to reign upon the earth. Our final destination is not an eternity in heaven. Heaven's a a waiting room in a way. It's a great place, but it's not our final destination. Our final destination is to reign on a new heaven and a new earth. That's what he's purchased us for. Now, in response to who the Messiah is and what he has done, all of heaven responds with worship and praise. This is what John saw. 
Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. Don't try to do the math, just it's a lot of angels. And you think Arrowhead Stadium is loud. This is loud. And think of the thunder of these voices. Worthy is a lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all of them that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. They worshiped. And now we are going to add our praise to theirs. <laughs> 